In today's episode, we'll be doing our regular weekly stock roundup with highlights on Berkshire Hathaway's AGM before diving into our stock Nike analysis. Tune in and hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Think Stocks Podcast. I am Nico. And I am Andrew. In this podcast, we will be breaking down the weekly news on the stock market and talking about stocks. We do upload a small portion of our podcast to YouTube. So if you haven't checked that out yet, just go to YouTube and search Think with Andrew. Yo, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Think Stock Podcast. How have you been, Nico? It's been a while. Oh, it's definitely been a while, but I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How about you? I'm okay. Uh, took a nap before I woke up, so it's I'm, <laughs> I'm a little bit uh, groggy. So if I talk shit today, just 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 bear with me. <laughs> Isn't that just every day you talk shit? Yeah, yeah that's almost every day. I have some shit to say sometimes, and someone has true, to true. listen. <laughs> so, right. have you been following up with the market lately? Uh, it's been a pretty red week once again. Yeah, that's true. I mean, with COVID developing and, you know, mm-hmm. things are getting bad worldwide, not only just in Malaysia and in India, you can see how people are suffering, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, with the vaccine not really being as effective as promised. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's been a crazy week as well. Um, and I don't know, what, what else do you see this week? Uh, I totally agree that the COVID problem has been a problem, uh, has been on the, on the rise again, right? Especially in Malaysia, we are going through our third what fourth fourth lockdown is it third or fourth third 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 third, third lockdown yeah it feels like it's the fifth because it's always lockdown and shit so um yeah. but what's happening in india is just scary and hor- i'm just so sad to see it like people are just dying mm. every single second like three hundred thousand per day right cases jesus right. christ that's that's insane mm. um but well, this is not a health channel. This is a stock market channel. <laughs> so, yes. un- unfortunately, we have to go back to the stock market. And last week, uh, no, not not last week. It pre- previous, a few days ago, right? Janet Yellen actually mm. came out and said something really weird and did a full U-turn later on. So, Janet Yellen came out and said, and, uh, said this thing. The interest rates might rise sooner. They might need to raise interest rates faster because on how hot the American economy is going to boom once the COVID is settled down and stuff like that. Uh, America's COVID cases are actually surprisingly good because uh, yeah, they have the most vaccine, right? I mean, mm. Pfizer is from America and stuff like that. So it's very easy for them to uh, access the vaccines. Right. So uh, they have been, their economy has been recovering very quickly. and mm-hmm. But... Janet Yellen went, came out and said that, oh, uh, interest rate might rise sooner. And we know that Janet Yellen is not the final decision maker for interest rates. It's Jerome Powell, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Janet Yellen is in a complete different, I won't say complete, it's still in finance sector, but it's, she doesn't have the rights to say that. So she had to come out later on and say like, I wasn't suggesting anything. I wasn't uh, saying that this is going to go up. So she had to make a complete U-turn. Um, right something very weird and when she came out it, it it spooked the market the market had went into a free fall like two or three percent and she was like oh shit oh shit oh shit i have to come back out and say something so she came back out and said something but at that time it was too late the market did fall like two three percent and kind of never really returned yeah, <laughs> yeah so but that's to be expected like, when you know people in power and then they either have a slight slip of the tongue and immediately a huge reaction will follow right mm-hmm. so these people really need to be 
responsible and accountable for what they say. And mm-hmm. this whole U-turn thing in Malaysia is very common, uh, but yeah. <laughs> to the US and then you're like, ah, we are used to it. But you know, when it affects our investments, it gets you a bit more angry, lah. Mm-hmm. But because I'm so used to it, right? Uh, what I see in my country mm. um, doesn't really bother me that much because. Uh, what I do here and what I what I get there is the same thing. Plus, our flags look almost alike. Uh, oh no, we love fast food. What else? <laughs> <laughs> what else? I I can't really recall. But mm. yeah, that's what happened with Janet Yellen. But another interesting thing that happened uh, this week was at the time of recording. This is Friday, seventh of May. So, uh, what happened this week was uh, Berkshire Hathaway's annual general meeting. Right. Uh, I know you're a fan of Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, right, Nico? Yeah, big fan. A bit big too fan. big of a fan. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. a fan of them as well. I read my very first book was The Intelligent Investor, just because Warren Buffett re- reads it, uh, and he said that it's one of the book that anyone should read, right? To mm. once you come to investing. So yes. yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of him as well. So one thing that he said in the Berkshire Hathaway's annual general meeting was uh, this one very interesting thing that he said that ETFs, the like the S and P 500. Is like a cheat code for. He didn't say cheat code, and this is my own words. Uh, right. It's like a cheat code for retail investors, like people like us, right? Because mm. what he said was, out of the thirty companies, the top thirty companies that was in the nineteen nineties, how many of them are here today? Absolutely none, zero. Right. So, if you were to invest in the thirty companies, you probably have lost all your money. If you didn't sell, if you're a donkey and you didn't sell at all, right? Then you would have lost all your monies. Uh, but if you were to just invest in the the S and P five hundred. You will have made, I don't know, multiple folds from yeah. today. Even if you invested it in two years ago, you have been, you would have made a lot of money. So, right. and S and P five hundred, I would say, in my own opinion, okay, don't sue me. Uh, it's one of the lowest risk investing, uh, lower risk, not lowest, lower risk, uh, because you're so diversified across five hundred companies. And yeah. there's literally no better investment than that. So with that being said, right, Nico, do you hold the S and P five hundred? I know you haven't bought any shares. Are you looking into buying the S and P five hundred index? I I am considering them heavily in the sense that they will provide consistent returns over the long period of time, lah. Like what you're saying, it's low risk. I I personally feel it's almost no risk. It's more mm-hmm. or less a uh, guarantee. The only issue is whether or not you can uh, ride the waves. That's my issue, lah. Like for sure, mm-hmm. even the S and P five hundred will have its up and it down. But you mm-hmm. only register a loss if you choose to sell out. And yep, I I feel the way that it's structured, the S and P five hundred in the long run will never lose. If you just <laughs> leave your money there, it might you might be down fifty percent miraculously somehow. You're down fifty percent, right? Uh, maybe just a leave war, it right? there. Yeah, sure. Mm. Maybe a war or something. But you just leave it there, and even better, buy when it's at fifty percent down, right? <laughs> yeah. Buying in an average down. And then what happens? You'll find is that when you're ten years in, fifteen years in, you know your kids are just starting to go into school. It's already back up to your original price, and you'd have been profiting anyways. So mm-hmm. I feel it's structured in the sense that it provides automatic alignment compared yep. to if you manually were to pick and choose stocks, you would have to do the alignment. You would have to decide when this company is going to perform and when it is not going to perform. Whereas the S and P five hundred does that for you automatically. <laughs> Right. Yep, I totally agree. And the funny thing about how retail investors uh, like to do is that they still believe that fund managers can beat the S and P five hundred, regardless <laughs> uh, what what Warren Buffett did a few years ago. That he came yeah. out and make a bet against fund managers, right? Right. Yeah. And and he won. Uh, no surprise. Um, mm. but 
people still believe that you, the fund managers can beat the S&P 500. Yes, maybe one year you can beat it. Two years. Yeah, okay. Three years. Okay, I'm starting to be a little bit skeptical, but over 10 years, I, I don't see you beating them every single year. Yeah. And the compounding growth, uh, the compounding returns, I think the S&P 500 will just give you way more compared to like you profiting a lot one year and then losing some the next year. You just don't want to do that, right? Mm, true. Yeah, that, that's my own opinion. So that is something where Warren Buffett said, so ETFs is a cheat code for retail investors. If you guys are listening and you don't own ETFs yet, try to look into them. Uh, I won't say that get them. Yeah, then mm. you can sue me, but try to look consider into them. them. Yeah, consider <laughs> yeah. them, right? Yeah, consider them. Yeah, it, it's a good diversification, especially if you only have like one stock, two stock, right? Yeah, that's just, just risky. Right? Just don't, don't mm. do that, right? So other than that, uh, people actually wanted to take some jabs at Warren Buffett because people always think like, hey, Warren Buffett's a dinosaur, right? He's 90 years old. Charlie Munger is probably like the Megalodon or something like that. He's <laughs> fucking, just don't know if he's real or not. He's 97 years old, right? right so right. Um, what the people actually asked Warren Buffett is that, hey, Warren, you, you, you sold some Apple stocks and people asked him, what are your thoughts? And Warren Buffett was very chill. He said like, Yeah, it might have been a mistake. Uh, hmm. Apple is a good company. He said that it might have been a mistake. He brushed it off. and But people uh, lined up with two questions. So he moved on to the next question where he said that he was very happy happy selling airlines industry. What he's American. Uh, I can't remember what airlines were he's holding. American Airlines, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, uh, I Yeah, one yeah. of the American uh, Airlines company. Uh, the reason why he said that he's very, very happy selling airlines is because the margins are very low. Mm. and the industry is problematic yeah we know that the industry is problematic especially in the business point of view not the travel point of view but with covid around mm -hmm. the travel point of view is fucked as well right <laughs> travel is not coming back anytime so soon so exactly. that's why he said like he's doubling down on airlines he said that i will not buy it i sold it i'm sticking to it but with apple i might have you know made a mistake and completely fair even the best makes mistakes out there right so if you don't make mistakes you might as well sit up his chair <laughs> yeah but i mean also at the same time you know he might be just throwing in a, a blanket statement to just put out the fire in that question right because mm -hmm. at the end of the day you never really know why he's doing it mm -hmm. maybe it's time he decided that you know we need to take some profit to balance out our other performance issues or whatever right because yep. i'm sure he would have made a loss with the airlines purchases mm-hmm So he needs to register a win. So maybe he decides, you know, it's time to sell off a bit of our Apple holding. And yep. then perhaps he's lining it up for a, the next purchase. He already sees something that he wants, right? And mm -hmm. maybe he needs more cash for that. It could be a plenty full amount of reasons. But, yeah. You know, it's always nice that he's usually, usually brutally honest. <laughs> but, you know, you, you never know again. You really never know what the actual intentions are behind it. Mm -hmm. Because when mm. he in invested in Apple back in 2016, if I'm not mistaken, 2016 or 2014, I can't really recall. Um, right. Okay. He he said that he will never invest into tech stocks. He doesn't understand it. That's just so simple, right? He he doesn't understand it. But he went into Apple, mm. and people still don't know why today, right? He he did he didn't. I don't I don't think he came out and said exactly why. Uh, besides, Apple is a good company and shit like that. That that's why I think he got in. Uh, if someone knows why to DM me with think with Andrew, but sometimes what Warren Buffett is doing is like he doesn't 
like tell you everything i guess right he has yeah. his own strategy in the back of his head right if he tells you everything then then he doesn't have his secret ingredient anymore mm. right no one tells you their secret ingredient oh do you have a secret ingredient nico um I like don't I like pepper. <laughs> don't don't tell me chicken masala or something like that. <laughs> nah, just good old salt and pepper. Yeah, yeah that, that works that's, fine. That sounds like a brilliant recipe for steak. Mm. Uh, like our legendary lecturer once said. Anyhow, uh, we're moving forward. Anyhow. <laughs> Anyhow, we move forward, right? So another thing that um, Warren Buffett said is that specs are not here to stay. Mm. Uh, Warren Warren Buffett's main issue is that the structure of what specs are made of it's not that good. Uh, how they are going public and stuff like that is not that good. But when I heard that and I was thinking of it from a different perspective, is what I could understand was that the type of investors that it brings to the company. Let's mm. just say I am um, my boy Chamat, right? I I love Chamat. I think he's a smart man. I think he sees things that people don't see, like right. how he was supporting Tesla way before they were even famous, right? People were still shorting the stock. He was there, he and supporting Tesla. He sees mm. things that people doesn't see. Uh, so when a spec is being brought in, right? Uh, you don't really know who they are merging with. At the right. at the point, and you can still buy the spec, right? Yeah. So this brings the type of investors to the uh the the type of investors that brings to the company is that the ones that don't really believe in the company, they don't really care where the money is being thrown. That they they are more, I'm sorry to say this, more like gamblers, right? They they're just right. hoping when the announcement is made. Oh, uh, let's just say that Chamat's uh, fifth spec IPO G or whatever in the future or Z IPO Z, right? Oh, we're merging with one of the big companies and that that rockets up. So mm. they they don't mind parking it there first. And if it's not a big company, then like okay lah, never mind lah, lose a bit of money, it's okay. Right. Right. So yeah. that's the type of investors that bring to the company. Once the spec merger goes through, then you will see like. It's just not very stable, in my own opinion. What What do you think, Nico? What What's your thoughts on spec? I mean, specs to me are relatively relatively new, and from my research, my little knowledge about it, I don't really trust them. As you know, I feel like it's sort of like a shell company, right? It's basically mm-hmm. um, you uh, your company is merging with another company that is made out of thin air, and then you're putting in your business with um, sort of experienced investors, and then you push for it to go public. But yep. at the same time. The trouble lies in, as you mentioned, with the investors. You don't know what kind of agreement they have going on within themselves. What are the voting rights like in their structure, and how long their commitment in that structure is going to last? Because mm-hmm. uh, they might have ten active investors in the company that is merging with the business, but maybe out of the ten, three of them are looking to make a quick buck, right? Yeah. So okay, let's do this deal. Okay, pull five million here, ten million there, whatever. We pull the funds, we go public, and just as it starts to rocket up, cash out for an easy maybe fifty percent profit on your five million or ten million or whatever, right? Uh-huh. So it, it it's dangerous in that sense, but at the end of the day, it still is reliant on the performance of the business itself. So. It might be something we don't see going away anytime soon. It mm-hmm. might be something that's always going to be there, but 
whether or not it's a safe investment, it's hard to say because of the um, structure, as you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Right. It, the unknown structure behind. Yeah, there's a lot of gray area in specs, and mm. when you're investing, uh, in my own opinion, again, you try to not have as much gray area. You want to see right. as much as you can, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So we'll move on. Uh, there's a lot. Berkshire says a lot of shit. The the, the meeting was six <laughs> hours. Come on. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, <laughs> but this will be the last one, right? Because we we want to go to the stock pick of the week. I'm pretty sure people would love to hear what our analysis is today, right? So mm. the last one is Charlie Munger. Man, Charlie Munger is 97 years old. He yeah. he is one of the living legends out there, and he said, uh, "Cryptocurrency is disgusting." And contrary to the interest of civilization. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, <a> <laughs> so let me go first, okay, Nico. Right. I think yeah, sure. Charlie Munger is an amazing investor, smart man. Uh I don't think I don't know if I ever get to his level. I hope one day I can. Uh, because he's just so smart to my in my opinion. And mm. but unfortunately, I cannot agree with him this time. You know. I can't agree with him. I think he lacked the understanding of what Bitcoin is and Ethereum is, all of this stuff, uh, mm. why it was here in the first place. Uh, people like, like you know, the, the little bit more older people, I, I don't know how to call them boomers. Is it boomers? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, they, they like to say like, Bitcoin funds criminal activities and stuff like that, right? Mm. Yeah, back then, like five, six years ago, nowadays it's so much more clear, easier to track. You know, you can see where the money is going because it's an open system. Anyone can go see where you're spending your money. Right. Like it's so easy to track it. Mm -hmm. So what they're saying is not that true, but uh, am I invested into Bitcoin? No, I'm not invested into any crypto. <laughs> primarily because i don't even i don't understand it that well right, right. I, I stick to what i believe what I, what I understand and let's ask your opinion i know you are not a big fan of crypto as well uh, yeah. but i don't think you you agree with what he said i think that was a very very drastic uh, statement that he 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 pointed out mr charlie munger right i mean the the, the, the thing about mr charlie munger is he has very how do i put this very interesting expressions on mm -hmm. what he feels right mm -hmm. he's very direct and he paints a very clear picture drastic, no drastic picture like <laughs> if he doesn't like it it's very clear he doesn't like it uh -huh. if he likes it it's very clear that he likes it as well like how he has his love for yep. costco right how mm -hmm. his whole family is invested in costco and he speaks of it with full of love and tender care Mm -hmm. whereas for something like this he, if he doesn't care about it and he doesn't understand it oh, sure yeah but i mean he may have a point in the sense that he's saying that it's contrary to the interests of civilization and mm -hmm. it, it would have something to do with over regulation i believe i believe that's where he's coming at it with because yeah. in in a certain sense to have progress things are binary somebody has to win somebody has to lose <laughs> and with yeah. over regulation it will sort of halt progress so maybe that's the angle he's viewing it at in the sense that with cryptocurrency it's very clear right i mean my basic understanding of cryptocurrency is that um the transfer of 
uh, monetary exchange is recorded and it's it's not something that you can lie or fool about with, right? Yeah. So if person A made a transaction with person B, it can be verified by a group of people. Yes, correct. Whereas in current, currently today, if I slid you 10 bucks, nobody in this world would know. Yeah, correct. <laughs> right? So um, maybe he sees it in that sense. I don't know. Again, we don't know what's going on in their minds. But nevertheless, I have undying respect for him. And I still respect his opinions, regardless of yeah. whether, how he paints the picture. But, you know, um, again, like you said, maybe it's not something that he might understand well enough. Or maybe it's not the future that he sees from what he has lived through. Mm-hmm. But I guess we are the only ones that will find out. Like, it might not happen in his lifetime, but you know, probably yeah. in our lifetime, we will see the development of cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Primarily, uh, why I'm not investing in cryptocurrency is also that I really don't know how the future will pan out. And hmm. I... This thing is everyone say crypto. Sorry, oh, I hit the stand. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm so you know uh, what do you call it? Uh, ex- expressive, right? Like uh, Pep Guardiola on the field. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the thing is about crypto is people say that it's the future, and yes, okay, it's the future. But let's understand what money does. Okay, when when I want to buy something today, I have to fork out my money, my credit card or something like that. And it's, 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 it's almost instantaneous hand change, right? But with Bitcoin, there is a time delay. So that automatically makes that it's not really f- uh, user-friendly. I don't know how do I say this. Exchange-friendly, right? Mm-hmm. For to buy and sell stuff. So it's more like gold instead. That's why they say it's the digital gold right. and however when it comes to ethereum it's it's way better you, you can transfer instantly and stuff like that so i just don't know how to wrap my head around it um maybe charlie's right i i respect charlie's opinion uh whatever he says i always would listen uh try to understand my own point of view from it mm-hmm. but yeah. i might invest into crypto if i understand it in the future yeah but for now in my own opinion, I think it's overinflated with Dogecoin going to the moon. What the hell? What the yeah. hell? Who, how do you invest into something called Dogecoin? <laughs> right? It, it's a fucking meme. <laughs> it, it was made as a meme back then. Like in 20... It, it was made as, as a meme to, to Bitcoin. Right? Someone made Bitcoin and then this guy was like, ah, Bitcoin is fake, right? So mm-hmm. let's just make Dogecoin. And now Dogecoin is almost going to a dollar. It's like, what, 50, 60 cents? Right. And I'm, People are becoming millionaires because of investing into Dogecoin, Bro. and I'm like, I, I, I cannot brain. You know, I, I just don't understand it. Well, Bro. maybe I'm, I'm I'm just not smart enough in investing. Well, it's okay. Uh, it I'll stick to what. What it is. It is what it is. It is what it is. So yeah. if I if I don't understand it, I'll stay away from it. But people who are making money out of out of this. I respect it. You know, it's not easy to mm. make like tenfold in a week or something like that. It, I respect you guys, you know. It, amazing. Right. Uh, but you might want to be careful trading cryptocurrencies. Yeah, Someone will be left holding the bag when it crashes down. If it crashes down, it might never crash down. So True. Right? True. Mm-hmm. So well, let's just I believe keep... it's the time. What, what's the time? It is time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go. It's time for a segment we call Stock Pick of the Week. Do note that this is neither a buy nor a sell call for these stocks, but rather an open discussion regarding the selected stock. 
If you would like us to cover a specific stock, DM us on Instagram at thinkwithandrew and we'll line it up in the following episode. What happened? Did he disconnect? Uh? No. No. It didn't disconnect. What is the beeping sound? Oh, it was just me. I was typing out. Fuck sake, Andrew. <laughs> I was typing out. This is all Andrew. Punche, punche. We will start over with the stock pick of the week. Uh, <laughs> fucking I was typing out. Fuck sake. My flow was beautiful. Uh. Oh my okay, God. okay. It's okay. You can say it's time for stock pick of the week. Uh, time for a segment. Then we can continue from there. I will t- will tell us after I edit that out. Okay, sure. Uh, right. About 25 minutes, 24 minutes in lah. Wait. Yeah, okay. 24 minutes in. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> three, two, one. Time for a segment we call Stock Pick of the Week. Do note that this is neither a buy nor a sell call for these stocks, but rather an open discussion regarding the selected stock. If you would like us to cover a specific stock, DM us on Instagram at thinkwithandrew.com. Andrew and we'll line it up in following episodes. So, for this week's stock pick of the week, we'll be covering Nike. So, so I mean, Andrew. Yeah. The one and only question I have to ask you lah. Yeah, right. We, we I I tend to ask people this question lah. Mm-hmm. Nike or Adidas? Oof. Nike uh, Adidas. I I, I, I don't so you know <laughs> I I don't have to think twice because I own a lot of Nike shoes. Oh yeah, I'm a big Nike fan. Uh, okay, I even have Air Jordans, and I only get it because of the swoosh and how Air Jordans logo is there. Right, six shoes. So, yeah, six. six shoes. Yeah, so yeah, big Nike fan. But I have one more question because you know how some people say it's Nike, and uh, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Our editor is from England, right? Mm, England, yeah. He, he, he calls it Nike. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, are we American today or we're going British? It's the American market, so let's go American. <laughs> okay, we're going Nike, all right? Not Nike. Okay, fine. Yep. Right. So, so yes. B- before we you. dive into <laughs> the stock analysis, I think it'd be good for our listeners, you know, to give them a bit of backstory about Nike. Right. Okay. Okay. So Nike was founded by a guy called Phil Knight, and see this guy Phil Knight. He actually was an athlete back in his high school and college days, and he used to run with this running coach, which his name is Mr. Bill Bowerman. So okay. Initially, um, Phil Knight he ran in college, whatever. Then he got a job, and somewhere along the point in his life, he ended up going to Japan, and in Japan. He was so impressed with the Onitsuka Tiger running shoes. You know the brand, right? Onitsuka. No, I have no idea. Actually, uh, I'm fat and I don't run, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I mean like you know, if if you're a hype beast or whatever, Onitsuka is like a popular brand. Those shoes go for about like three hundred ringgit Malaysia, four hundred ringgit Malaysia. Yeah. Wow. But, I mean, it's just okay. another pair of. Uh, Shoes are basically, but back in the day, he went to Japan and he was really impressed by this brand Onitsuka Tiger running shoes. Um, oh. He wanted to become the sole distributor in America. That's what he wanted to do. So he actually met with the owner, the founder of Onitsuka, and he tried to get a deal done. And to get the deal done, he made the company name up on the spot, and the company was called Blue Ribbon Sport. Right. So okay. Blue Ribbon Sport was. Was then going to be his company to become the sole distributor in America 
for these Onitsuka Tiger running shoes. Now, the problem is, Mr. Phil Knight, he can do business, he studied business, but he doesn't know much about these running shoes. So, he knows he has experience running, but he can't really <laughs> help with the design and, you know, how to improve the shoes and stuff like that. So, what does he do? Naturally, he goes back to his running coach and then he shows his running coach his Onitsuka shoes and then tells him what he is doing as a distributor. And then Mr. Bill Bowerman, the coach, was really interested and decided, you know what? I'm going to fund this as well and we'll both try and push for this. So what um, Phil Knight lacked in technical knowledge was made up by Mr. Bill because he knew the ins and outs of running shoes and how it affects performance, right? Mm -hmm. So what ends up happening is they both put in $500 each and okay. the rest, as they say, is history. 500 bucks? <laughs> 500 bucks each. So 500 they put in bucks, Wow. They put in 500 bucks each. They brought in their first um, import shipment. And I think back in the day, a pair of shoes cost about $3 plus. Uh, mm -hmm. $3 plus for uh, a pair of shoes. And they ended up selling it for a 50% profit margin. They sold it at about $6 or something like that. And they just, yep. you know, they kept rolling on with that. And then they got bigger yep. and bigger and then decided to, you know, it's time to cut off Onitsuka and make our own shoes. Mm -hmm. So the name Nike then was actually suggested by their very first employee. So as Blue Ribbon Sport, they changed their name to Nike. It was uh, the suggestion of their very first employee. And Nike brings the meaning of, you know, the Greek winged goddess of victory, which is great. I mean, if you're an athlete, you see that, you know, it, it gives you some sort of motivation, right? You, you're, mm -hmm. you're, you have the wings, right? Yeah, Red Bull. And... Yeah, so before going for their first Olympic event as a brand, they needed to come up with a design and they got an intern to come up with a design and the legendary swoosh. Damn, the legendary man. swoosh logo was born for just 35 bucks. Can Damn, you believe that, Andrew? Dude, fuck me. Can, can you believe that, Andrew? Back in the day, someone designed that logo and got paid 35 bucks. My God. <laughs> My God, only 35 bucks. He should be given millions she she and, oh yeah okay. and she was rewarded later on like as in mr phil knight himself mentioned that when the company went public they did allot her a certain amount of percentage of shares but all of those are undisclosed figures are but mm -hmm. because the logo actually is a big part of the company so they decided to you know they need to reward her more than just <laughs> 35 bucks yeah i mean but damn for our fellow hustlers listening in to the guys that are, you know, working full-time jobs and trying to push aside hustle to, in the end, you know, you want to quit your job, right? Here's a little fun fact for you. Mr. Phil Knight, the founder of Nike, he kept his full-time job as an accountant for five years while he was running this business Jesus before Christ. actually doing it full-time. So my advice is just so if you're out there working full-time daily and still burning the midnight oil, trying to push your side hustle, right? This should serve as great inspiration and also a reminder to keep your head down and just <laughs> do it. Don't let the dreams be dreams. <laughs> just do it. <laughs> just do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
Interesting, interesting. Uh, I just laughed because uh, when you say head down, right, it reminds mm. me of the Ferrari engineers. Whenever Sebastian Vettel is angry, he will say, the Italian guy will say, head down, head down, <laughs> it's a long race. It's a long race, head down. Right. <laughs> Ferrari pit crew, I'm so sorry. But damn, only 35 bucks. It, ah, that, that is a win. But yeah, they did reward her. It's only fair, right? Yeah, definitely. And, Today, Nike is a brilliant company, right? Mm. It's what Mark is valued at $210 billion. Uh, yeah. They have come so far. And their, their swoosh, like you said, it, it really brings the brand to, next, to the next level. Uh, to a certain level where sometimes when you're buying football boots, right? Sometimes, mm. you know, if you're a footballer, you, you want to have the best boots the lighter boots uh the one that has more grip more studs uh, more balance and shit like that right but but sometimes right sometimes i'm not saying it's me but it's me (laughs) okay you want to have that elegance right when you're playing football you you want to we want people to look at you you're standing at the goal the entire damn game no one's looking at you right i'm a goalkeeper no one looks no one looks at you so when you have a shoe that uh shines a little bit people are like oh he's right there i didn't Mm. even realize that he was there yeah it stands out right yeah it It just stands out Mm -hmm. definitely like if you walk at the mall today and i i don't know if you would do it because i think you're a very simple guy uh i like to claim that i'm a simple guy but uh when it comes to shoes i'm a little bit more uh, eye-catchy so Mm. whenever someone wears an air jordans my eye will automatically get attracted to it and like analyze them automatically like right. what colorway they're wearing and automatically the swoosh and see whether they're real or fake because we know there's a lot of fake stuff out there yeah right? definitely yeah so yeah but this is not air jordan so let's continue nico <laughs> <laughs> right okay so nike's business as we have to understand it their business is in design development and worldwide marketing as well mm-hmm. as selling of athletic footwear apparel equipment accessories and services so the key categories include running basketball football training and sportswear mm-hmm. and to top all of that they own the brand umbro you know umbro right they yeah. used to sponsor england back in the day yep. when they lost the world cup as every other world cup <laughs> nothing, <laughs> nothing has changed it's not coming home <laughs> euro's coming home let's let's try to believe that sure and- sure thing <laughs> But yeah, so they own Umbro, they own Jordan, um, Jordan the brand, not the guy. <laughs> right? um, and as well as Converse, they wholly own Converse as well. Oh, and they okay. recently actually divested out of Hurley. Hurley is a brand which sells uh, water spots like swimsuits, uh, board shorts, um, surfing equipment, right? Mm-hmm. So they actually were, they owned part of Hurley, but recently they got out of Hurley uh, for whatever reason. Uh, maybe it's not profitable enough for them. But mm-hmm. yeah that's that's what the business is so mm-hmm. what else did you see in nike when you ran through their books uh i went through their financials but before i get to their financials can i talk mm. a little bit about converse if i'm not mistaken right back okay. then uh i think nike bought over converse is that true yeah that's what i mentioned like converse is wholly owned by nike wholly owned by nike right they did yes, correct yeah so, because back then, right, when uh, George, Michael Jordan was playing basketball, right, everyone was mm. wearing Converse. Yes. And, and everyone, all the star players were wearing Converse. And Michael Jordan was a new kid, the rookie kid. And mm. when Nike approached Michael Jordan, he said, 
he he wasn't really interested in uh Nike at the moment he was more interested in Converse and other brands right right because all they, stars, right yeah because they they were the the, the big boys mm. but then Michael Jordan is a mil- I don't know if he's a billionaire today I think he should be <laughs> with the brand uh, right. he The thing is that when he went join Nike, he had his iconic Air Jordans and stuff like that, and his people still wear it today. He doesn't play anymore. The shoe mm. still evolves, yeah. right? The brand still stays, and amazing. I just like how uh, Nike got the 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 best of the, the best player of all time, in my opinion, right. uh, like Lionel Messi. The nah. best player of all time. <laughs> Come on, don't don't bring this argument into our podcast. You know, CR7 okay. is the god, so let's okay. just drop that. Okay, so it's amazing how they just bought over Converse to just throw a big slap at their face, saying that hey, we're bigger and we're bigger than you right now, and I can just buy you over. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just amazing. But what else I did find was that in the financials, because. In my opinion, Nike is a value play, not a group mm. play, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, more of like you you want to use value investing techniques in this because I don't think Nike will go hyper growth. Yes. In, in my opinion, I think Nike is a very uh, developed brand, uh, almost at the end of the S curve and stuff like that. So currently, they are trading at sixty four PE higher, uh, about one hundred thirty five dollars, right? One hundred thirty dollars yeah. around there. And they have a market cap of two hundred and ten billion. Um, great company, big market cap. Uh, I think almost five times bigger than Adidas. Uh, maybe, maybe no, sorry, four times bigger than Adidas, if I'm not right. mistaken, right? Mm-hmm. And just a superior brand out there. But what I do not like is how expensive it is currently. Okay, mm. the average industry PE of uh, comparing with their competitors is only 24 but they are 64 um what i feel that happened was because how the american market just pumped up so much the past 12 months or so because of the covid and stuff like that the stimulus plan everything just pumped up nike kind of long kind of kind of ran along with it right. uh, we know adidas is not listed in the american market so maybe they didn't run along with it and mm. but That doesn't mean that it's a bad company. Just because it has high PE doesn't mean it's a bad company. I'm invested in Tesla. Tesla has 1,000 PE, so I have no <laughs> right to say anything about that, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we go next where is the dividends, right? The dividends mm. is at 0.76 percent. Not great, um, but definitely you would want to see a little bit more increase in that. I I think what happens is because Nike has a lot of R and D to do to keep up with their competitors. Right, they, yeah. they want to stay above the game. Uh, if they just keep giving out dividend, that means they're not really innovating. And when you're not innovating, you're you, you're gonna soon be left behind. Yes, correct. So I don't see this as a big problem. If you're a dividend investor and you think zero point seven six percent is low, it is low. You have other better options out there. But I I think over over time, Nike should increase their dividends. This is my own mm-hmm. opinion. So yeah. we're going through next is that the revenue increased for the past ten years. Great sign. You want to see increased revenues all the time, right? Yes. So it's been constantly increasing, relatively flat during COVID. Um, I mean, everyone is impacted by COVID, so that's okay. Yeah. So where where the free cash flow has been good, it's been increasing about ten years. Uh, had a bad beat during COVID, so they had to burn a lot of the pocket and. They, it generally increases about ten percent a year, so yeah, that's good. Mm. They have good free cash flow. That that's what you want to see. Um, their net margins at twelve percent, 
relatively good as well. Their current ratio is at 2.5. I would say that's good as well. Right. And yeah, the debt to equity ratio is the bad one. When when COVID happened, right, they, they, I believe they took a lot of debt. Uh, mm-hmm. Before this, they were at like 0.4. But currently, they, during COVID, they went up to 1.5 and now it's at 1 again, 1.0. So you might want to see them continuously decreased back to like 0.4 and stuff like that. You don't want them to have high debt to equity ratio. But right. yeah, that's the financials. From the financial standpoint, right? It's amazing. Nike, amazing company. Uh, don't have any flaws. Unlike Palantir, they actually make money. <laughs> right? Yeah, so, that's for sure. Yeah, so let's, that's what I found. What about right. you, Nico? Okay, so remember how I mentioned uh, Mr. Phil Knight earlier, the founder of Nike? Yep. Right. So what has happened is his son uh, owns a limited liability company called Swoosh LLC. Okay. And Swoosh LLC actually owns 75% of Nike's Class A stock. And oh. for their Class A stock, there's a total of 14 holders. Uh, and for the, for the benefit of our listeners, let's just get into what Class A, Class B stocks are, right? So... Mm-hmm. When these companies go public, right, what they can do is they can break up their stocks into different classes. They can have class A, class B, class C, class D, whatever, right? And um, for Nike's case, they have class A and class B. Class A is considered the uh, private end where it's a close group of investors. That's why there's only 14 holders of class A stocks. Mm-hmm. And class B instead is the one that you see on the New York Stock Exchange. Class mm-hmm. B is the stock that is actively traded by the public. Here's the difference. The difference between class A and class B stocks are usually in the amount of voting power they have. So they go operate at, an, at a ratio and it can give, even be up to like 10 is to 1. That means one class A stock will have the equivalent voting right of 10 class B stocks right? Mm-hmm. So it would be more beneficial if you're holding a class A stock, but that's highly unattainable uh, unless you're okay. like really rich and you know the people you're well connected and they can directly sell it to you because you, they cannot trade it in the open market. You have to directly trade among the investor, right? Yeah. And what it is, is actually class A stocks can also then be exchanged for class B stocks one-to-one. So whatever amount of class A stock you have, you can just directly convert it to a class B stock whenever you want to. And then you can directly trade it out into the open market. Mm-hmm. Now, having said that, and knowing that out of the 14 holders of class A stock, 75% is actually owned by a company which is run by the mm-hmm. founder's son. I have to ask you this. What are your thoughts on founder-owned stocks? Um in my own opinion, I always like the founder being there. Uh, they take they take care of it generally better. Um, mm. But let me just understand this better again. Uh, it, you said that it was his son, right? Not him, right? Yes, correct. I mean, yeah, he's it, still around, but um, mm-hmm. his son is running an LLC under the name of Swoosh LLC. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So his son, right? So. Mm. Yeah, you want to see where the, the bloodline is still running through, regardless of the son, the uncle, or whatever shit, right? You, you right. want to see them. It's good. But sometimes they can get too emotional because it's like their child. Yes, yeah, right. So you don't... It, once they so, show signs of being too emotionally attached to the company and they start bringing bad decisions to it, you might want to be extra cautious. Mm. That, that's my own take of it. Uh, but... I don't see any problem as of now with Nike. I think they're moving in the right direction. 
till today unless I may have overlooked something that you saw so right. what do you think Nico? Um, I think like I've been saying so far they're really a good stock and maybe I can go further into their finances right so mm-hmm. as you mentioned their revenues have been growing with the exception of 2020 obviously because of COVID their sales would have taken a hit but their net profits has been inconsistent and this will go down due to fluctuating expenses like even though the revenue has been steadily increasing uh, year on year but you can see that in their net profits it's not consistently increasing it goes up one year down and then it goes up the next year beating the previous high so in a long term yes it's increasing but it fluctuates a lot that's what i'm trying to say mm-hmm. and they have a gross margin of about 40 which is great and also they've been cash positive for many many years like i i, I believe cash rich companies are really good in the sense that they are well prepared for either investment opportunities or in terms of downturn of the economy they will be prepared in both cases mm-hmm. so when i see a cash rich company i generally have a more positive outlook but an interesting thing that you can find on their expenses if they ha- they have something called demand creation expense okay so the demand creation expense accounts for about three billion dollars a year three billion dollars a year is about 10 of their revenue right okay and this demand creation expense is what i believe goes towards their signing deals with major athletes and etc you know to get them in the public eye oh, like the greatest of all time cristiano ronaldo yes exactly <laughs> <laughs> his, his lifetime deal with nike i believe that's uh it's catered for within the demand creation expense and they have and they are poaching younger stars like i mean i can't speak about other sports because i'm not too familiar but i can speak about football because i know that when neymar was coming up they poached him right mm-hmm, but yeah. now as they see he's not progressing he moved to the french league which is considered a smaller league they let him <laughs> just drop off to puma without a fight like they mm-hmm. didn't even bother to like oh you want to go we can offer you something better no they're just like you want to go okay <laughs> and then they focus yeah. the attention towards Mbappe and Erling Haaland which is you know uprising talent yeah so this demand creation expense is a big piece is 10% of their revenue but it is also exactly what is giving them their brand awareness mm-hmm. and it's it's not something that they can just you know they can't it's necessary for their brand to have this expense mm-hmm and besides that we can go into their manufacturing so most of their manufacturing is actually done out of the us even though their headquarters is in the us right okay the manufacturing is done in about 122 factories and that is split among 12 different countries but it's only run by 15 independent contract manufacturers so that means there are 15 independent contract manufacturers around the world manufacturing products for nike and then the products are just shipped around around the globe mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. and the largest of their manufacturers are vietnam indonesia and china right mm-hmm. so it's for obvious reasons like for cheaper labor obviously mm-hmm. but mm, it's just something to take note that none of them not none but most of their op- uh, manufacturing is done overseas and not directly by them their research center in uh, the us mainly does that they do the marketing research and development management and financing is all done in the us that's all that goes on in the headquarters there's no manufacturing going on over there right okay so 
we spoke about revenue earlier and footwear, just shoes, footwear and maybe socks alone generate 65% of their revenue, which is huge. Wow. And I mean, again, just like our Apple review in the last right? episode, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. We mentioned how the iPhone actually takes up a huge chunk of their revenue. So likewise yep. in um, Nike, footwear is their breadwinner, basically. That's where mm-hmm. the most of their money is coming in. And again, it's like from what you said, there's Converse shoes, there are Jordan shoes, there are Nike shoes. There are a lot of footwear for you to choose within the Nike family. Uh-huh. So even you and I, even though you have your Air Force Ones, right? Uh-huh. And I have a pair of old beat up jo- uh, Converse shoes. Uh-huh. Technically, we are both Nike, <laughs> Nike yeah. shoes, right? Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's just an interesting fact for your uh, investors to note. Mm-hmm. And also, one thing that for our listeners, uh, I believe is beneficial that you can learn from this episode is there is something in um, in Nike that needs to be considered, which is inve- inventory turnover. Do you know what inventory turnover is, Andrew? How much they can sell in their inventory and not keep them, right? Yes, correct. More mm-hmm. or less, yeah. yeah. So inventory turnover is actually how many times can you sell out within a year? So if I start the year with 10 shoes, and then I sell off 10 shoes within the first month. Mm-hmm. I buy 10 more shoes and then I sell out again. I buy 10 more shoes, sell out again. 10 more shoes, sell out again. Okay. How many times can you repeat that within a fiscal year? That is considered your inventory turnover. Okay. Why this is important for a company like Nike is because they are retail business and they, are depend- and they, are, they have high amounts of inventory. So when you have companies like this, all of their money is going to be tied up in manufacturing. And the more inventory they hold and the lower the inventory turnover, it's be- it's worse for them, right? Yep, correct. You need a higher inventory turnover to uh, sell more shoes. That's basically what it means. And so you can compare between Nike, Adidas, Under Armour and Skechers, right? Nike is doing about 2.87. That is their inventory turnover number. Ooh, okay. The average around the industries, like in different different industries, is between five to ten, right? Ooh, okay. But but you have to realize that it's different for each kind of business. Yes. If correct. you're selling luxury items, your numbers are going to be very low. Yes. Because correct. you're making high profit margins, but you're not selling many shoes, mm-hmm. or you're not selling many luxury items. But if you're selling something cheap, like you're selling toilet paper, <laughs> your inventory turnover has to be very high because you're making very low profit margins, but it's a much needed item and it needs to be flying off the shelves. Uh So with companies like Nike, Adidas, Under Armour, you can sort of expect them to have a lower inventory turnover, but they need to be comparable amongst their competitors. That is where you can sort of judge how well they're doing within their field. Okay. Right? So currently Nike is doing it about 2.87, whereas their competitor Adidas, Adidas is doing about 2.27. So you can mm. already see Nike is having a better inventory turnover compared to Adidas. Yep. And then if you were con- to compare with Under Armour, Under Armour is only doing about 2.6, whereas oh. Ske- Skechers mm. is doing 2.36. Okay, so they're current- more or less all the, around the same, but yes. Nike is way better la, in a way. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yep. a, 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 good, a good input that you know our listeners can gain from this podcast this episode is to keep an eye on inventory turnover for these re- kind of retail outlets where they actually just manufacture and sell products when you want to compare them within their industry with their competitors 
their inventory turnover is a very important key point that you have to note. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So I guess for our points, that pretty much wraps up our, our points, right? Do you have anything else to add on their on Nike? No. Uh, as for now, I think everything is very well covered. Like mm. one thing I realized that is unique is that how they outsource their manufacturing. I think many companies do this these days. Even right. Apple outsource their manufacturing to China, right? Mm-hmm. So that's one way for them to cut operating expense. Uh, no, not operating expense. Is it cost expense? Yeah. Yeah. Production expense, right? Good soul. Yeah, so they are COGS, right? So yes. they, they think they can reduce that. So that's very good for them. Um, I, I think so far, everything is sounding good on the, on the sense of uh, Nike's company. But let's, let's move forward. I, I believe mm. you have some, some things to be shared some more, right, Nico? Mm, that's about it. I think we can just wrap it up and just give our inputs on whether or not you know, we are interested in this stock. Does this mm-hmm. catch our eye? Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what okay. about you, Andrew? Let's go so, with you first. All right. So w- when we wrap up, right, I would like to zoom out. Uh, there's this one technique back in college where uh, one of the lecturers taught us, taught me, actually. I'm not sure if you were in his class, uh, Dr. Sammy, Dr. Sammy Judge, right? Were mm-hmm. you in his class? Yeah, but I might not have been in the class. <laughs> <laughs> so he has this one technique to understand things, right? You you want to zoom out and zoom back in. So what he says is like, go, go out, get a bigger picture and go back and, and identify the details, right? right. So we, we were inside, we understand the details, but let, let's zoom out right now. Hmm. Will Nike be here 15 years from now? Yes. Right? Yeah, I would say yes. Yeah, yeah. Nike will be here fifteen years from now. Nike, Nike is just so far ahead of the competitors. Uh, Jordan will still be here fifteen years from now. Mm. Uh, Converse will still be here. People love Converse. I hate it. I hate Converse <laughs> shoes. I will tell you right now. I will never wear Converse shoes. Right, uh, I think sure. it's ugly. But okay. thanks. <laughs> I know you like Converse shoes. I I think it's ugly. Right. Uh, okay. <laughs> totally not offended by the way. Offended. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but I think Nike will be here in many, many years to come. Nike has great financials, yes. but to me, it's not cheap. Mm. And if I want to get into value play, in my own opinion, again, this is a value play, not a growth play, not a dividend play. At 0.76%, mm. you can't call it a dividend play. I think it's trading at, at, a, at a premium right now. And right. Warren Buffett said, yeah, look for companies that it's not trading at a premium, right? Mm. Right? Yes. So, I believe that this company is a little bit overvalued. Uh, mm. I would buy it if it's it was a little bit cheaper, about 40 PE, I would consider it. 40 to 30 PE, I would consider it. Right. But right now, it's just tough for me. Mm. But I'm not saying that it's a bad company. It's just expensive. It's a great company, just expensive. Yes, That's what I'm saying. Uh, if you're looking into Nike, don't just take my word for it, right? Don't just take Nico's word for it. Go yeah. into details a little bit more. But what about you, Nico? Well, I think um, we share sort of the same view on this company. Like, I think we are both um, agreeable that it's a great business. It's a good mm-hmm. company and um, it's been doing well for itself and is probably lined up for great future success. But at the same time, I still agree with you that it is a value stock and you should only look to buy it when it's cheap. And at the moment, it is not cheap. But, yeah. but... Mm-hmm. There is something that I read, which is basically that in 2018, 
um, Nike's board approved for a four-year plan for a total of $15 billion of share repurchase program. Ooh, okay. So 2018, four years, that means between 2018 to 2022, that's their, their whole re- repurchase program going to run, mm-hmm. right? And as of May 2020, they have um, so far only covered about $4 billion. So there's about eleven oh, billion that's... left in this mm-hmm. share repurchase program, mm-hmm. and so you know there will be opportunities to come by definitely if they do um, carry on and um, complete the repurchase program entirely, fifteen mm-hmm. billion in total. There will definitely be times where the stock can be considered affordable, and to get a bit of insight, the exact price which they got in at with their repurchase program was eighty nine dollars. So okay. of course, right now eighty nine dollars is not something you can get today, mm-hmm. but it just gives you sort of uh, um, an insight of what Nike thinks they are valued at, right? Yeah, you can sort yeah. of say that when Nike chooses to buy their own share and they are buying it at eighty nine dollars, they have strong enough conviction that it's worth more than this. Yeah. So you being an investor, if you can sort of get even close to that price. You should be doing well enough. Uh. That's what. That's why I would think so. That's mm-hmm. personally. That's something I would look forward to. Yeah. Like I would definitely keep Nike on my radar, and hopefully be able to get in at a good price. Uh. Yeah. Uh, if Nike shares comes down, if any one of you all uh, are holding Nike at this moment, I'm not hoping for the share to come down for my own benefit. Right? <laughs> that would yes. be a not not a very nice move, right? But yes. if it comes down, it's a great opportunity to double down. That's what mm. I'm saying, right? Yep, yep. Even I would be looking forward to go into. So yeah, that's my my verdict and your verdict, right, Nico? Yes, correct. Yes. Mm-hmm. So with that, is there anything else you want to add, Nico? No, I think it was a good episode, and there's a lot to learn. And definitely, it's still again the final out- outcome is it's a good company, it's a good business. Just have mm-hmm. to time it right. Yeah, and I always believe if the boat has sailed, it has to return back to the port one day to refuel. So, <laughs> so we'll see when it returns back to the port. <laughs> okay. But for now, right, Nico? Yes. Uh, I guess we can just wrap this up. Yep, definitely. Mm-hmm. So I just want to thank everyone for listening today, and remember to think before you invest. Happy investing, guys! Ciao, ciao. ciao.